0: and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today, we're talking to Prashant, who is the CEO of Fundbox. And we're going to learn more about SMB financing in America, why their solution is different than others. And the why is it such a big space yet competitive space? And the why it's not properly served by the incumbents, for example, right? So I'm really looking forward to, to hear from Prashant. Let's just dive into it. How are you today, first of all? Hi, Rudolf. I'm doing well. I'm really excited to be talking with you. All right. Well, great stuff. I know you're based in California, right? So can you tell us a bit about, more about yourself? How did you get to do what you do today?
1: Well, I'm the CEO of Funbox uh, and uh, have been at Funbox for the last five years. I've been working in the Valley for over two decades now in a variety of product and technology roles. I guess I'm a technology executive now by profession, but I'm still a product manager at heart. I grew up as a product person in the early days of Google when Google was a very small company. And we had big dreams and, and aspirations and I was at Google for about six and a half years when I built out Google's payment platform to help power their advertising business and also ran all of Google's products for the Asia Pacific region. Moved over to Facebook, where I ran the Facebook advertising product again in the early days, and then did payments again for for Facebook. So a little bit of a Uh, repetition there, but two different companies, and I was the founding CEO of Facebook Payments Inc. Then I decided to try my hand at mobile, and this is in 2012, 2013, when mobile was just really, really taking off, and did a startup called Flurry, which was the world's leading mobile analytics and advertising platform that was then acquired by Yahoo, and so I was at Yahoo then for for a little bit as their SVP of uh, advertising products. So I sometimes joke that I've uh, worked at Yahoo, Google, and Facebook, but not in the right order. Anyway, five years uh, ago, I was thinking about what to do next, and I came across this very young company that was very promising. It had been started in Israel, and, and the company had just moved its headquarters to, uh, to San Francisco, and then I decided to join the team and, uh, and be part of the journey, which I'd love to obviously share with you in this podcast.
0: Right. So obviously, you worked in the Valley for a long time, but it seems like now you find yourself at a smaller company, a bit more early stage, right? So why have you decided to join Funbox and not to stay with one of the tech giants uh, as they are known today?
1: You know, uh, it's interesting you say that because when I joined Google, we were still pretty small, less than 500 people. When I left, we were 35,000 people. I've worked with companies all the way from less than five employees to 35,000 employees. So I've seen every scale. I think what attracted me to Funbox at that time, and that still really motivates me every day, were three things. The first was just the mission. After a while in your career, you really want to make sure you're working at a company that has a mission and a purpose that you can get behind, that excites you every day. And the mission of providing a financial platform for small businesses, the mission of helping grow the small business economy was something that really appealed to me. The second thing was just the technology that the company had built. Even when it was very young, it was clear to me that this was the company had made a bet on a disruptive technology, namely AI, artificial intelligence, and was starting to see the early benefits of placing that bet and in that investment. And so that was really appealing to me. And the third thing, of course, was the team, just like a, it was a much smaller team at that time. We are larger now, but just a world-class team of engineers and, and product people and business people that, that really worked well together. So five years later, we've grown by, by a large amount, but those things that attracted me are still very much things that motivate me to get to work every day.
0: All right. So what is Funbox? What is the problem that you're solving? So
1: Funbox at its very core is an AI powered financial platform for small businesses. And what that really means is that we are harnessing data and and AI to be able to deliver financial products for small businesses that unlock growth for millions of them and uh, power the small business economy. And the the problem that the first problem that we went we started went out to solve was really that of access to capital. And this is something that's fairly well-known the world over, that small businesses have limited access to capital, but access to capital is perhaps one of the most important things for a small business. It's like oxygen. And like oxygen, you don't need oxygen 80% of the time. You need oxygen all the time. Unfortunately, small businesses struggle. And the average SMB in the US has something like $80,000 in outstanding receivables, That's money that's owed to them that they don't have. And uh, it takes them many weeks to get paid. And if you add it all up and look at it at a macro level, there's almost a trillion dollars. And when we last counted it, it was $900 billion in these unpaid invoices that are owed to small businesses. And that is the problem that we're out to solve. How do we unlock this capital that's tied up in unpaid invoices, in accounts receivables, for all of these businesses,
0: and so, just to so you're helping. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so just to uh, clarify
1: and emphasize a little bit, there are many small businesses out there in the U.S. There's something like 30 million of them. But what folks often don't realize is that about 10 million of those, about one third, are B two C small businesses. These are businesses that you and I might look at as consumers: a restaurant, a grocery store, your yoga studio, right? But For every small business that serves consumers, there are many other businesses that serve that business. So we can call it these B2B small businesses. So for every restaurant, for example, there are food suppliers. There are people that supply staffing services and cleaning services, and maybe their accountant. And all of these businesses that are more B2B in nature typically deliver a product or a service, they invoice their client, and then they wait to get paid. And that B2B small business, the small business that serves other businesses, is really the customer that we are out to serve. There are 20 million of them in the U.S. alone and many others around the world. And there's almost a trillion dollars of value that's locked up in unpaid invoices that's due to them. And it's, that's the big problem that we are focused on.
0: I see. Understood. Fintechs who are in this space, but they focus on SMB payments and SMB this or that, right? And of course, it's been quite tough uh, last few months in many countries for SMBs. But, and many people would agree that incumbents often fail SMBs. But why do we need you as another financing provider? Let's drill down on this. You, you started with the problem definition. Are you basically helping the maybe to improve the working capital situation? Is that these B2B SMB businesses cannot get a loan to get there? Or do we also see a lot of insolvencies and things like this as well, and maybe extended payments, especially now that there were tough times and SMBs couldn't really get financing anywhere else or sufficient financing? Is that really the issue here, that you cannot get that financing for working capital elsewhere? Because maybe you're too small, it's too cumbersome to serve them? Or what is it? Why we need the fun box, maybe once again?
1: All small businesses need access to capital. And that's true, whether you're a small business that serves consumers or a small business that serves other businesses. And there's this enormous market that is out there to serve small businesses. And I would argue that despite the the incumbents, whether you're looking at banks or call them fintech 1.0s, right? The the early folks in the space. Despite all of the folks that are out there, it's still highly underserved. If you were to either like, take a survey or just go and talk to a bunch of small business owners, you will hear the same thing, which is access to capital is a challenge. I mm-hmm. agree with you that there are incumbents there that are doing something, but what they're doing isn't enough. And in particular, if you think about legacy financial institutions, like banks, their ability to assess a small business and underwrite them is still very weak because they have manual and lengthy underwriting processes. And I don't even know this, Rudolph, but it takes the average bank over $3,000 in people costs to just assess a small business. Now, imagine if you're trying to offer like a small financial product, like a $20,000 loan or a $10,000 line of credit. It just doesn't make economic sense for you as a bank to even serve that customer because you're spending more money in people costs, your underwriter and your auditor, and you're not making enough money in in the financial product. So when it comes to the small end of small businesses, and we're talking about sole proprietorship, maybe up to a few dozen people as employees, a few hundred thousand dollars a year in revenue to a few million dollars a year in revenue. For those smaller, small businesses, you need automation and scale. And this is where technology really comes in. And even the, the first wave of fintechs that sort of came up maybe 10, 15 years ago, they were able to put like a web or a mobile front end to to, to an application process, right? And so they did make some improvement in this in the mm. in the ecosystem by providing like an online access and maybe acquiring customers through digital channels. But the backend processes of actually looking at the data and being able to assess risk based on the data was still very much antiquated. At Funbox, because we started and built a company from the ground up on AI, like 99 point something percent of our decisions are all completely automated without any human touch. And if you look at most, maybe like literally every other player that has looked at small businesses, they have a very significant manual component to the way they underwrite. And that just drives things like how long it takes for them to approve customers, the size of customers that they're able to work with, and just their ability to scale, right? So Funbox has just brought in a different approach to serving small businesses more broadly. Now, the second thing is when it comes to B2B small businesses, your business transactions, how you're working with your counterparties, your vendors, but also your customers is very important because that's where a lot of the information is. That's the information that gives us a good sense of what does your cash flow look like going forward? What are your receivables like? And because the B2B part of the small business economy is vastly underserved, that's our primary focus. And so what we've done, which is very unique, is we've built out a graph of small businesses and how they interact with each other. So every time a small business comes to Funbox looking for a financial product, we ask them to connect something. This could be their accounting system. This could be their invoicing system or just their bank account. And we read all the transactions that are there in those systems. And this is an always-on, real-time connection. And we stitch those transactions into a graph where the nodes of the graph or the entities in the graph are small businesses and their counterparties. And the connections between them are their transactions. So we get to see a lot of what's going on in the small business economy in the U.S. by simply looking at the graph. Today, we have over 12 million entities in our graph, most of whom are small businesses or the enterprises and the government agencies that they trade with. And so as we continue serving customers, this graph becomes wider and deeper. And the core IP of Fundbox is building machine learning models that take data or features from this graph and use those to predict the risk of a business or a transaction. And so that's why our approach to data as well as the market that we are serving is very unique. It's B2B SMBs using data that's fairly, again, unique to B2B SMBs.
0: Okay. So what are the results, though? So you said you use machine learning slash AI, obviously not just for the onboarding, but I guess for underwriting, right, and for the risk assessment. So... If you then compare it to the three thousand dollars you mentioned and you have your license fee and things like this, if you also look at the the bad loans and things like that as well, how do you stand on that equa- equation?
1: So a few things. When it comes to results in terms of customer experience, our user experience is unparalleled because we are able to really start ass- assess a customer with just a with very little information that they need to provide us. All they have to do mm-hmm. is literally connect their source of data, It's a, whether it's a bank account or their accounting system or their invoicing system. Oftentimes, this is just done by simply giving us consent and letting us read that data. They verify who they say they are and, and they're done. Okay. It can take just a few minutes for someone to sign up for Funbox. And it takes our machine learning models less than two minutes. I think the median time is less than 100 seconds to really look at all that data and make a decision. So this is very fast. It's also very simple and convenient for customers. The other thing, again, from a customer standpoint, while we are on the topic of customer value, the other thing that we're able to do is because our approach lets us embed our product inside the services that they use. So for example, we're natively embedded inside of QuickBooks. You can be a QuickBooks customer, see Funbox, and draw Funds from Fundbox without ever leaving the QuickBooks experience. If single sign-on, you don't create a new account; you just authorize QuickBooks to provide data to Fundbox, and off you go. And the same thing is true for other partners that we have, like FreshBooks or Zero or or what have you. So it's a very embedded experience, which is just incredible for our customers. In addition, and equally importantly, what this means for Fundbox is that we're able to extend credit to customers in a very effective way and manage credit very tightly so we've already served over 60,000 small businesses we've connected to almost 300,000 small businesses and through all of our all of our work with these businesses we've had very low delinquency and default rates right the industry leading credit management And in particular, you know, Rudolph, you talked about COVID and the impact of COVID. When COVID hit last year, it was a big shock to the entire small business ecosystem. And many players ended up getting significantly impacted, seeing their delinquency spike by a factor of like 2x, 3x, 5x, 10x. And compared to these folks, Funbox did extremely well. We... Our delinquencies you know, remained, in, remained in the single digits. They went up a little bit in March and April of last year. They came down. By the summer, they were back at pre-COVID levels, and they've been well below pre-COVID levels ever since. So we did all of this without stopping to serve customers. We were serving and originating uh, loans to our customers throughout the pandemic, and, uh, and really, we feel very good about our ability to continue serving customers while keeping our credit uh, performance just significantly uh, better than the market. So that's all right. Unde-
0: all right. Understood. All right. Understood. Maybe let's also look into your business model a bit more. So, how are you funded yourselves?
1: So, we work with other third parties. To, to fund the loans that we provide. And so we've got credit facilities that we use to fund our loans. We've obviously raised a large amount of money in equity as a company, but that's more for running the fund box business like you would any other technology startup or technology company. But we use the, the majority of our originations are from third-party capital.
0: So is it like um, intercompany debt or something like this? These
1: are or warehouse are bank uh, facilities, that mm-hmm. that are oftentimes set up by asset managers and
0: all right understood and how do you make money
1: so we charge our customers a fee a transaction fee for for drawing funds from Fundbox. It's, we keep it very simple we have a fee that's a percentage of the amount that they draw our customers tend to tend to draw funds from us typically for working capital purposes in which case it could be like a 12 week draw or a 24 week draw We've also recently introduced a more conventional term loan product, which is a one-year draw. And, uh, and we charge these transaction fees that are very simple to understand, just upfront, cl- clarified and clear upfront. And uh, there's no origination fee or, or draw fee or a maintenance fee. And In fact, customers can repay early without any prepayment penalty. And if customers pay early, we just waive the remaining fees, right? So it's a very simple fee structure that's that's a that customers can really understand this is very analogous to how on the consumer side folks have really found that buy now pay later payment structures where you've got like a fixed fee that's charged on you know, on a regular basis is something that provides great transparency uh, and clarity to to customers
0: all right then you mentioned you joined fundbox a few years ago and you're in the bay area you grew a lot if you give if you could give the founders Just one key piece of advice about scaling up. How did you do it? You said that you grew so much in the last few years. Obviously not easy. What do you think is the most impactful thing to to focus on if you want to grow?
1: I think that it is important to find the right model before scaling too fast. A lot of this depends on the kind of business that you're in. But if you take a fun box, for example, we're a financial services company. We are offering financial services to, to our small business customers. It is important to first nail it and then scale it, if you will. Find a product market fit. Make sure that you have a product that really works well for your customers and has the strong business fundamentals before you can grow too fast. I think that coming back to Fundbox and where we are, one of the reasons why we're so excited about 2021 and beyond is that we really proved the model in 2020. The fact that we were able to do so well through COVID this arguably one of the biggest shocks to the small business economy for a very long time. us gives us the confidence that now is the time for us to grow and serve a lot more small businesses. So I think it's important to make sure that you have the right model before scaling too fast. I think for anybody who's building a product, I would add that one of the big elements of of, of your business model is, do your customers come back and use you again and again or not? And what does your retention and customer engagement look like? Uh, A lot of folks end up investing a lot in sales and marketing and driving customer acquisition when they have a leaky bucket, right? Where they have customers coming in yeah. using their product or service and then not coming back. But for most products, perhaps the single biggest determinant of whether you have a high quality product or a poor product is, do folks come back or not? If someone's used your product, do they come back or not? And I think once you see that you have good retention, good stickiness, I think that's, an incred- that's a strong foundation, I think from a product perspective, to be able to grow. And if you add to that strong unit economics, then I think that's the right time to scale. So just to wrap it up, I think it is important to nail your model, your product model, and your business model before you start scaling too fast.
0: All right. Understood. Get the product market fit, of course, and, and go from there. And keep the customers that you like uh, or that la- they like you and, and make sure they become your ambassadors, right? That's about retention. Now, conversely, if you look at the SMBs that you deal with, obviously, it's been the tough times in many parts of the world. It's still very difficult. What would be your tip? A couple of key tips for SMBs? If they find themselves in a the cash crunch, what can they do apart from stop paying the bills of people you don't like? Let's, let's take that off the table.
1: So, I think that there are many things that anyone running running a business tightly should look at. For example, reviewing all your expenses, monitoring all new spending, and things like that. But those are fairly obvious. I think anybody who's running a business carefully should be looking at the inflows and outflows of money. I think the one thing I'd like to emphasize a little bit for businesses that are more B2B in nature. So if you're a small business that serves other businesses, you're invoicing your customers, you're waiting to get paid. I think the speeding up the recovery of your receivables can be incredibly important to driving healthy cash flow. So I think it's important to make sure that you are invoicing or billing your clients early and on time, your invoice as early as possible, Make making your invoices as clear and detailed as possible and collecting quickly. Because every time you go back and forth on an invoice, you're just adding days and maybe weeks to you know, when you're going to get that cash. You could think about rather than simply invoicing at the end of the entire assignment or project or what have you, how do you change that to, to invoice more frequently as as you go through your, your project or maybe asking for a deposit upfront and then like a percentage of payment at various milestones? So thinking a little bit about your business workflow and how you work with your customers and if there are reasonable ways to change the nature of the cash flow Right, between you and your customer, I think can be an incredibly powerful way of avoiding cash flow gaps on your side. Right, Because if you think about it, most B2B SMBs are acting like banks. They may not think about it like that, but every time you're offering your customer net 90, for example, what you're doing is you're giving them 90 days of float. So you're really delivering investing in your product or service delivering it and then waiting to get paid H- how do you change that dynamic right i would also say maybe there are incentives you can give to your customers for you for them to pay you to pay you earlier one one could one the obvious thing is to give them a financial incentive like a small discount for someone who pays immediately or there may be other things that you can do like provide like a special service or some add on to what you normally offer that's an incentive or maybe a non-financial incentive for for customers to pay you earlier. So again this because we focus a lot on B2B small businesses we see this all the time we see this almost trillion dollars of money that's locked up we spend a lot of time thinking about how to reduce that that money that's locked up in your receivables.
0: Right and have you seen during the crisis this has extended in many countries let's say on paper this is Thirty days is normal, but if you go maybe to certain countries and generally that that is following the sun, that number is increasing and increasing. Whatever is written on piece of paper, right? So yeah. obviously that happens if you go through the recession as well. Have you seen uh, or tough times or shocks and things like this? Have you seen this uh, as well? That's in addition to delinquencies right it's it's just adding more pressure on the smbs because they may not have such a cushion like uh, some bigger companies
1: absolutely the the overall dollars that are owed to small businesses has been increasing but in terms uh, I,
0: of days if you turn it to days so i do not have i do not have
1: a stat on how, whether the days has been changing or has changed significantly in the last you uh, know 12 months but here's one thing I will point out which is almost counterintuitive but also makes sense which is that as businesses grow oftentimes we see our customers starting to serve bigger and bigger clients and you might think that bigger clients are are are, are more are a more safe financial partner because they're big clients they are not going to default or be delinquent but Bigger clients also demand longer terms. So one thing we do see with our customers is oftentimes as they grow and start serving you know, bigger clients, their needs in terms of cash flow, flow actually increase, not decrease. Even though the risk associated with their businesses starts going down because now their their counterparties are folks that will pay, the, the terms increase. And if you, uh, there are famous yeah. examples of large, you know, technology companies that I will not name here that have terms that are up to a year. People that are, they have armies of people that are just simply trying to optimize the amount of terms that they can extract from their vendors. So that's a trend that we definitely see. And many of our customers have like blue chip clients and yet need access to working capital precisely because they have blue chip clients.
0: Yeah. Yes. Obviously, I've seen this. I didn't know whether that's a strategy or simply sometimes being a bit slow. Because what you're going to do with such a big client, right? If they don't pay, they will pay. They are blue chip. But if they pay within a month as they promised, or within six months, it's sometimes tough to get a remedy. So, how do you see the future of SMB lending in America?
1: I think that what COVID has precipitated or catalyzed is a is just this acceleration of a trend uh, that has been going on a little bit more slowly in the SMB world around this move to digital financial services, digital experiences. And we are seeing some of the benefits of that sort of secular trend that was accelerated through COVID. And one of the interesting elements of a digital experience is this notion of, Meeting the customer where they are. So, we see incredible results when we partner with platforms or systems that businesses might use an invoicing system or an accounting system or what have you. And then we are able to embed our product inside their daily or weekly workflows. So, this idea of credit in context, where, for example, if you're in QuickBooks, and you're looking at your accounts receivables, you can look at that and draw funds against those accounts receivables in real time, right, from within your application. That contextual credit is very powerful as both for the consumer and for Fundbox. but it's also difficult to do well. But I think that's part of the secular shift that we're going to be seeing and that we are seeing happen. So that's one thing for sure. I think the other thing that is interesting is People often think about digital and fast as being transactional. So it's true that consumers and small business owners are getting more and more demanding about how quickly they can transact, like draw funds or sign up for a new service. But I think sometimes people forget that these small business customers are still looking for... A relationship. They're still looking for companies that they can trust, and so it, it's interesting that I think one big aspect of S credit, I think, is going to be greater engagement with the brands that they trust, with the partners that they have longer term relationships with. Even though they, uh, even though business owners want convenience and speed, so that's just something to to think about, and that. One of the reasons why we invest so much in our customer experience and long-term customer loyalty is because we see that as an opportunity for us to, over time, serve customers in more and more ways. I think data uh, and the use of data through AI is something that I think is going to continue to be a bigger and bigger thing. We see that a lot in the consumer space. Of course, Fundbox does not play in the consumer space, but I think the consumer space is a few years ahead of the small business space when it comes to credit, mostly because small business data is much more complex than consumer data. There's much more heterogeneity in small business data, but I I see this sort of trend continue to accelerate. And we're seeing uh, both ecosystem plays, right? Like companies like Square that have provided this entire ecosystem of financial products, including capital, but also cross ecosystem plays. So Funbox, as an example, is not wedded to any particular technology platform we can you can connect your amazon transactions you can connect your bank account transactions you can connect your quickbooks transactions and so we're we are taking a more cross ecosystem agnostic approach to to looking at small business customers so i think there are some of, those are some of the trends that you see in the small business credit and financial services space
0: so let's see what what the future brings you fared quite well during the pandemic so what are your plans for the rest of the year and for the next few years do you have any specific milestones you want to hit
1: yeah so we see two big opportunities in front of us and these are both incredibly exciting the first is to just continue scaling and growing our credit business we're we're coming out of the pandemic and the pandemic induced sort of recession small business Growth has been incredible. 2.7 million new small businesses started in the U.S. alone in the second half of 2020. And so there's a lot of growth in the small business economy. And SMBs are looking for capital right at the time when traditional players have taken a step back. So this is an incredible opportunity for us to just serve a lot more customers, to grow our business, and we've had a record Q1, and the rest of the year seems to be really uh, a very exciting year for growth. So that's one part of what we do and one opportunity. I think the other big opportunity that we're seeing, and this goes back to my point about the digitalization of SMBs and, and more particularly B2B SMBs that we work with, is this opportunity for us to grow our product suite, to become, to extend our platform and become a broader financial platform for SMBs. And we're working on a number of products and we're piloting a number of them with our customers to see where their pain points are and, and how we can and how we can solve them. We've got a product that we call Flex Pay, which is really about using Funbox to directly make critical business payments like payroll or your lease or what have you, where because Fundbox can handle those payments directly. It gives you the peace of mind that you don't have to worry about how much money you will have in your account when payroll hits and so on and so forth. And, and we've got other products that we are testing that just give customers insights into their financial cash flow over the next few weeks, again, to get a sense for, to give them a sense for, do they expect to have any cash flow gaps? So we're building a number of transactional and informational products and to serve our customers in, in more more expansively. So those two opportunities are are both extremely exciting and we're investing in both of them and uh, and we're just so excited to see the rebound in the small business economy and and how the grit and the resilience of this this sector right has demonstrated itself post uh, post pandemic.
0: All right well let's hope so sounds great so Prashant thank you very much for joining maybe my last question before we wrap up is what what's the best way to reach out and uh, what kind of people would you like to hear from most? You can
1: reach us uh, via email, Twitter, LinkedIn, any of those would work. You can come to our website, funbox.com, uh, and, and check us out as well. We love to hear from people who are either small business owners themselves, thinking about how they can run their small business better, looking for, financial services, but we'd also love to hear from people that provide services to small businesses who are thinking about other ways in which they can serve their small business customers, so potential partners for us. We have a very partner-focused approach to building our business, and, and we'd love to partner with companies and organizations, large and small, to reach small business owners and serve them we'd also be interested in hearing from you know people like yourself like thought leaders and folks that are thinking about different aspects of fintech and the small business economy and thinking about where that is going and and what are the kinds of needs the that economy is going to have in the future uh, and so we're very interested in in you know, talking to kind of all of these folks And so please do not hesitate to reach out if you're listening to this podcast, to me or to anyone at Funbox. Again, email, Twitter, LinkedIn are all fair game. You can come to our website, check us out, drop us a note. I would love to hear from you.
0: Well, great stuff, Prashant. Thank you so much and good luck to Funbox. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com